Georgia Tech is the best football team in the state of Georgia right now. They went 9-4 and last year. In 2014, they went to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, what has Georgia done to, to top any of that? Now, if you're a Georgia fan like me, and you probably are because you're listening to this podcast, that is not a very easy statement to hear or digest. But stay tuned and listen to the context surrounding that soundbite a little bit later in this short, very special edition episode of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 92 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I know I just said that, but I guess you could say we're branding here. Nevertheless, today you're going to hear our very own Tony Waller, a.k.a. Tyler Dogden, sit down with CBSSports.com's Barrett Sally. In this episode, not only will you hear the rest of the story as to why Barrett claims that Georgia Tech is currently, and I'm using air quotes, (laughs) the best football team in the state of Georgia, but he also shares with Tony and you, the listener, his two SEC breakout players of the year, one from the West and one from the East. He also touches on a few storylines to look out for as the 2017 college football season quickly approaches. And there is one SEC East team that he believes will be a contender for the college football playoff this year. You'll definitely want to hear who Barrett picks and the reason behind it. So please enjoy this special edition episode of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast as Tony welcomes Barrett Sally of CBSSports.com. We're joined by Barrett Sally. Barrett, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time since uh, hanging out in Athens prior to the 13th season. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I was I was going to mention, you know, with your work at your prior place, y'all actually did a whole what, three or four days with you and Michael Felder and uh, Elika, and the whole crew was here to do your big preseason um, video suite of, of, of recordings. How, how was that? That was fun. Uh, they gave us the keys to the stadium, which was uh, great. So we basically could run around and do whatever we wanted. Um, we got done actually early, and this actually none of this actually made uh, any of those videos because uh, Adam and I could not succeed with our mission. But uh, they had the goalposts removed because they were resodding it, and so uh, I don't. I didn't even know this either. The 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 holes in the ground for goalposts are square. They're not circle. I just figured they were circles, and they're not. They're squares. So they were removed. So Adam and I had a, had a, a Nerf Turbo, you know, one of those Nerf footballs with a tail on it, and we were trying to do a trick shot video for the entire last day, trying to throw this ball into this little hole for about six hours. Uh, none of us got it. Neither of us got it. And uh, I, I, when we got in my car uh, to go back to Atlanta, uh, I could not shift into drive or reverse. My arm hurt so bad. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it was, it was great meeting you all there. And I'd I, I say you've always been one of the most interactive and willing to talk with folks uh, online. And we appreciate that. By the way, if you're not following Barrett, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, uh, Barrett Sally, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-S-A-L-L-E-E. Did I get all the double E's and double L's right? That's all of them, I think. If not, <laughs> Good. always err in the side of doubling up. Cool. Well, you know, you have now migrated over to CBS Sports and your role has expanded a little bit from covering the SEC, although that's still your sweet spot. Who do you think is going to be the SEC Breakout Player of the Year? Breakout Player of the Year. Uh, you know, I, 
I'd have to go with with two teams. Um, I, I think in the in the East, I would have to go with Riley Ridley at at Georgia because they need a wide receiver to step up. I actually talked to Kirby Smart about this this week, and and I think it's going to be Riley Ridley, um, and and that'll help everybody uh, on, on the uh, Georgia offense and really you know the entire Georgia roster because if they can just have some semblance of a downfield threat, um, then then they're going to be really tough to beat, and I think they can do it. In, in, the, in the West, it's sort of the same theory because you look at, at the team that I think is going to win the West, and that's Auburn. What's their issue? Well, it's, it's the passing game. And, and you could say Jared Stidham's going to be a breakout star. That's not really – I'm just going to punt that because I think he already actually is a star. I just don't think he's had enough games under his belt to, to uh, you know, firmly establish himself. But it's going to be a wide receiver. I think it's going to be Kyle Davis for, for, the, for Auburn because when you look at what he can provide for that team – He's a big-bodied kid. He's about 6'2". He's about 220. He's got really wide shoulders. And if, you've ever, if you ever watched Auburn back in the early Malzahn days, if you, looked, if you stood next to Sammy Coates, he looked like he was a video game. Like he look, His shoulders <laughs> were just like – it didn't look natural. And that's exactly what Kyle Davis is. So he can be the over-the-middle threat, which is something that didn't even exist in their playbook last year because Sean White can't see over the line of scrimmage. But he's also got that Coates-like speed – uh, to burn uh, to burn people deep, so uh, I'd pick two wide receivers: uh, Riley Ridley uh, for Georgia, and then uh, Kyle Davis for Auburn. It's interesting, and it's hard to say. Nick Fitzgerald is an actual breakout, just because he's a little bit of an own quantity. But I think I agree with you that he he stands a very good shot of leading the conference in total yardage, and he has an outside shot of, of leading both passing rushing. You, you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he could too. I, I think the the issue with him is that he might actually have to if they're going to win games, <laughs> because uh, I I don't really I'm not. I mean, I know you guys know all about Todd Grantham. I, I've kind of changed my tune on Todd Grantham a little bit because he has simplified his defense, but uh, he's simplified it now at Mississippi State with players who I think are just sort of okay. And right. and so uh, at Georgia, he you know he would have had a ton of success now, but with with Georgia caliber players, but he doesn't have those guys now. So um, you know Nick Fitzgerald's going to probably have to you know dance around that three thousand one thousand mark, and if they're going to win football games, and he certainly got the 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 the, the talent to do it. A because he obviously already rushed for over a thousand yards in essentially two and a half months uh, of, of a season, and then B. Um, you know, I think they're going to expand the playbook in the passing game a little bit. Uh, and then C's got Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen knows how to make guys like that successful. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he, from a statistical standpoint, I think both quarterbacks in the state of Mississippi actually could have really just ridiculous statistical years and perhaps not even be mentioned in the Heisman Trophy <laughs> talk. Yeah, it's funny you talked about Shea Patterson in conjunction with Nick Fitzgerald because I think you know, last week we went over um, what we thought the West was going to look like, and I, I think those are going to be the two funnest teams in the conference, honestly. You throw in South Carolina and what, what Roper's doing over there. It could get really interesting, though, with Mississippi, where that game in, um, that game at the end of the season in the Egg Bowl could be one of those games where – Mississippi, who's already stepped back from a bowl game, could keep Mississippi State out, and that game could look like an old-school Mac Thursday night game. I mean, just all kinds of points. Or Mississippi could fall off the cliff. Well, yeah. uh, Either way, though, I'm excited to see it because – 
obviously we know about just the rivalry in general and how potent both offenses are. And then you throw in the added spice of, of all that's going on with, with Ole Miss and the investigation and Leo Lewis being uh, uh, you know, uh, granted immunity and, and basically testifying against Ole Miss, but now being invited to the NCAA hearing, which I believe is the first time a, an active player who has been granted immunity has ever been uh, asked to be at a committee on infractions hearing for another school. I'm almost positive that's true. So all of that... <laughs> combined uh together is is just uh, it makes the egg bowl you know I, I think one of the most just fascinating games of the year because you're right it could be a situation where mississippi state is you know needing a win to get to a bowl game a lot like old miss was last year um and and old miss really has nothing to lose and and i even talked to hugh freeze about this before he resigned this is at in, in hoover when i you know had an exclusive with him he, you know, I was talking to him. He's like, dude, we're going to be so much fun. And, 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 I, and I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, like Ole Miss from a football perspective, I can't wait to watch what happens because they have nothing to lose. And now even with Matt Luke, they don't either. I mean, the same sort of theory applies. And they've got weapons everywhere. They do have the best offensive line they've had, uh, you know, since Hugh Freeze got there. Uh, they have a great quarterback. They've got a really good wide receiving core. And I think they can actually run. Uh, a little bit between the tackles this year with Sweeney or Jordan Wilkins, if Jordan Wilkins gets healthy from his fall camp injury. So I can't wait to see what happens with that, with that team. Yeah. The whole nonsense with the NCAA test uh, testimony, that's going to be my favorite soap opera until the ranch comes back out. So I'm um, <laughs> telling you, so a quick overview of a couple of storylines we should follow in the West and the East. What do you think? Well, in the West, it's you know I think it's 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 can Auburn live up to the hype, and I'm providing a little bit of it because I did pick them to win the West, um, you know because and I think they can, uh, but also if they don't, then Gus Malzahn's going to get let go because you know the, the bar is is raised really really high, a lot like it was for Les Miles last year at LSU. Um, now I thought, and you know, you and I talked about this, and I talk, said this on every radio show, and got yelled at by people in purple and gold all summer long last year that that LSU was a paper tiger and they were I think Auburn's going to be good this year but the bar is still at the same level and so if Gus Malzahn doesn't live up to expectations uh, that is that's going to be fascinating to watch him handle that because he did take his hands off the offense for a reason but he's also waffled several times when pressure was on then with Texas A&M sort of the same thing uh, Kevin Sumlin can he can he you know, get back into at least the conversation because I don't necessarily think he's got to win nine or 10 games to, to keep his job. It's just a matter of feeling. It's just a matter of, does the program feel like it's going in the right direction? And on top of that, talking to some folks around that program, they're going to take all kinds of risks defensively because they do trust their secondary and they feel like they need to give their offense a short field. So A&M, you know, and, and Auburn from a coaching perspective and then Alabama, you know, what is Alabama going to be? Because I'm not a firm believer that the gap is massive. You know, it looked like it on paper last year because you had Alabama run the table. Nobody else had had fewer than than four losses. I think part of that or most of that was the fact that Alabama just disguised its flaw better with non-offensive touchdowns. And while we all thought that was great and cool at the time, they massively flipped games that otherwise I think would have been close. And, And so... They've still got to solve their issues, and they've got to f- plug holes, I think more holes than people realize because of all of the 
you know, departures in the front seven. Last year, they were able to rotate so much up front. And this year, you've got essentially one defensive lineman you trust, and that's Deron Payne. And the other stars, one of them is Deshaun Hand, who was first team all SEC. He had 21 tackles last year. Like, he, you know, it, there, there's a lot of unknown up there. So I, that's, that's the one thing out of the West that really is fascinating with Alabama. And the East, who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be the team? Who's going to be the contender? Because you can't go essentially four years without a team from the SEC East being a contender. Like, it, it's, 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 it's unfathomable. It's not, it's not uh, something that I think is sustainable. There's got to be a team that puts it together because there's talent all around that division to contend for a national championship and a college football playoff berth. And, and I think that team's going to be Georgia, but it's got to be somebody because you cannot – I mean, I, I just can't fathom more mediocrity out of a division that is, is one of the most talented in college football. Yeah, you know, and that's interesting. You 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 bring that up. I I think the SEC as a whole is going to be much better. Um, and to me, the bell cow of that is what does Kentucky do? If they're still in conversation, not it's they're still it's, they're still getting votes late in the season, which I think they will be. Uh, and you have a South Carolina team that looks much better. Um, I think there's there's potential there for the gap between the East and the West to narrow significantly this year. And a lot of that starts with quarterback play. So. Um, so you know, let's uh, let's let's turn the page a little bit and talk a little a little fun stuff. You know, this week you posted you and Ben Kirchival posted a uh, the top college football team in each state heading into 2017. Interestingly, you picked Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Now, now level with me, level with me. Was that a, a I hate your team and I love all of all your rivals the most, or what did you what did you see there? I'm giving you a chance to defend that. Well, that was me. I mean, we, we divided them up, and I picked Georgia. Um, or picked I gave you a chance to throw Ben under the bus. Well, but, you know, my initials are next to it, and I did write it. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, I it, know. Is, it, is, it is Georgia Tech right now. Like, right now, it's Georgia, Georgia Tech is the best football team in the state of Georgia right now. They've beaten Georgia the last two years. They went 9-4 and last year. In 2014, they went to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, what has Georgia done to, to top any of that? No, I'm, I'm not. I can't argue with you. So, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I agree with you that if you look over the past three years, that is exactly that's exactly right. And until <laughs> look until we don't give up a last second touchdown to Tech um, <laughs> at, at home, I'm you know I'm keeping my head down as it regards to Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, and look, I, I I don't necessarily think it's sustainable. And I even wrote this in the story. Like, wait, let's see what happens in in three months because I you know I think Georgia's going to make the playoff this year, and obviously it would. That would change the the outcome of that, but but right sure. now, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily th- I, I don't see how you can justify saying that Georgia is a better team uh, than Georgia Tech in the state when Tech has two of the last three heads up wins and has dominated the SEC East when they've played SEC East teams. Georgia hasn't done that, um, and and just just won nine games. Like so you know, it's. Uh, it's it's again. I don't necessarily think it's sustainable, but it, it's reality right now. So, how off the chain will Paul Johnson be if they go into the um, Mercedes Mercedes Benz and beats uh, Tennessee? Oh, incorrigible! He's going to be so insufferable <laughs> if they win that game. Like he is going to like any every possible uh, outcome you can think of. Paul Johnson gloating. That's going to be the press conference that Monday night slash early Tuesday morning if they beat Tennessee because that would be. That'd be what three straight wins against SEC East teams? I think it would be four. Well, uh, no, I'm, I'm talking about literally the last three games. Oh yes, I was, yeah, Georgia, yeah, Kentucky, and yeah. Tennessee. Um, yeah, ah, man, he would be. 
Well, honestly, though, like for for content purposes, a, a a really boastful, annoying, arrogant Paul Johnson pounding his chest and Butch Jones, the disaster that would ensue if they lost that game on Rocky Top, like that would that would make for uh, hashtag content. Oh no, it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun, Twitter. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, Barrett, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I talked a little bit about where people can find you on uh, Twitter, but I did not. Uh, I failed to mention your podcast, SEC Smothered and Covered on Vsporto. Um, where else can people find your work? Basically everywhere. Uh, <laughs> CBSSports.com, the CBSSports.com app. Download that for uh, your team-specific alerts that you actually care about, not just ridiculous GIFs. Uh, and we do say GIFs, not GIFs, because that's the way God intended. Um, also, Sirius XM, College Sports Nation. Uh, just kind of whenever, wherever they need me on Sirius XM, College Sports Nation. SEC Smothered and Covered podcast on iTunes, Google Play, the Vsporto website twice a week. Uh, Mondays for the wrap-up edition and then uh, Thursdays for the preview edition. And sometimes on 11 Alive in Atlanta, uh, other places too. I don't know. I just kind of kind of don't stop. Here's the thing, like... I'm a firm believer that like I have probably the best life in the world because I can do all this stuff from my house essentially. So even if I'm working 24/7, 365, I'm still playing with the kids, and which is uh, which is a good way to live. Well, it also gives you plenty of time to watch The Bachelor and keep up with uh, motocross. So Yo, Bachelor in Paradise. Those are kind of- Bachelor in Paradise. The first two episodes were legit. Like they were really good. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. Is I'm a noted uh, absolute non a uh, non-reality show watcher in that is that's one of my guilty pleasures because i watch that and think thank god my life is not this anymore well, even close it like like i was ever a bachelor in paradise but like bachelor in paradise is, is fantastic because like literally like what how can anybody hate a bunch of really attractive people on a beach doing really cool things and partying like i what's yeah. and they're and they're all it's, dumb like which is great like <laughs> Except Jordan Rogers. Jordan Rogers is a friend. Well, I was about to say, except for Jordan Rogers. He didn't, <laughs> guess, go, he didn't go on Paradise. He won Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, and, well, Josh, and Josh Murray. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get you off the hook after the tech thing. So, man. Uh, I have my thoughts on Josh. Although Josh, Josh Murray is the only contestant in Bachelor franchise history to start a fight with Nick Fairley. I'm cool with that. <laughs> that, that is true. He did do that. Which is so, which is not a good thing to do, honestly. Like, why would you? you know, do that? Uh, yeah, actually, actually, I'm still cool with that. <laughs> well, Barrett, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It's uh, as always, it's fun getting to chat with you. I appreciate your insight. Y'all go follow him. Thanks for taking the time to join us on the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And thanks so much for listening. You probably already do this, like myself, but you can follow Barrett on Twitter. It's at Barrett Sally. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-S-A-L-L-E-E. That kind of has a good rhyme to it. It's a lot of alliteration going on. I don't know. I guess it's memorable. Well, it's his name. It should be memorable. Anyway, I digress. You can make sure to check out Barrett's SEC Smothered and Covered podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Coming up on this podcast, you can expect two more exciting episodes next week. Tony, Will, and I will have our comprehensive 2017 Georgia preview show, as well as another special episode similar to this one where Will Leach will speak with Seth Emerson. That's right, the UGA beat writer for Dog Nation. So have yourselves a great weekend. Our long wait is almost over. It's close. It's getting closer. And we hope to see you on campus real soon. And as always, 
Go dogs.